So welcome Athletics fans to another episode of the Traxter podcast, but this week we're doing something a little bit different. This is the first time that we're doing it on video for one, and secondly with uh, someone in person. It's very exciting for us at Traxter and we hopefully bring you more content like this to give you the highs, the lows, the ugly bits and everything in between that you know running is all about. Now we are off the back of the Boston Marathon where there was a huge upset in the men's race where Elliot Kipchoge slipped down to sixth position and in a couple of days time we will be on the streets of London for obviously the biggest marathon of the coming year, the London Marathon. And I'm buzzing to bring you a special guest today in the form of Australian half marathon and marathon record holder, Brett Robinson, where hopefully he will go one better than he did last time and maybe set a new personal best. But welcome to the show, Brett. How you doing, mate? I'm good, good. Thank you for having me. Oh, mate, absolute pleasure. Like I said in the, uh, in the, intro, in the intro, it's, it's been a long time coming that we've done content like this. And uh, obviously me and you know each other already, so it's quite a nice little, uh, a nice easing into this type of yeah, content. And you're already a pro, mate. Uh, this yeah yeah and and I um a few little teething problems going on in the the last hour but I'm uh, very familiar with that we for my podcast we have problems every single week so yeah mate we actually touch it up on that uh so for the listeners and the watchers we we've been in this room setting up and uh yeah there's been some teething issues that I'm not clued up on like I don't really know you couldn't even find my room yes mate we literally spent ten minutes going up and down thirteenth and fourteenth floor um. And I was saying to our video guy, George, I was like, we're going to look so sus on the cameras. <laughs> We've got backpacks. Um, we're not actually checked into this hotel. We're going to get kicked out. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we made it. We're we made here. it. We made it. So I'm going to start um, with your story. Similarly, how we kind of start all of our guests. And I know it's really cliche, but I want to take it right back. Okay. I want to understand how did you fall into sport? When did that start during your life? And how did that transition into athletics? Yeah. Yeah, like I was always a sporty kid um, growing up in Australia. Grew up in Canberra, uh, which is the capital for people that don't know. <laughs> a lot of people don't, but I, I played soccer, hockey, um, football, you call it, but uh, cricket, a um, little bit of athletics, but not really. Um, but kind of my true passion was soccer and kind of did that, was going pretty well at that and always had dreams of like, uh, I think as a kid of playing over in, in England in the Premier League but um, then I just kind of through school made cross-country teams and then I had this teacher who was like just really kind of saw a bit of talent in me and he, and he actually like started taking me to races and, and helping me and, and do, give me a bit of training and like I'll, I'll go train at lunchtime and stuff with him and, <laughs> and this is when I mean like I'm like, probably like 11 years old and then <laughs> didn't have a coach and kind of made like the state team went to um, nationals and yeah and then those there was a few years like 14 15 where i was like oh, i actually think i like running more than soccer so yeah. kind of gave up soccer and um which was hard because a lot of my friends did soccer as well and went away from them and yeah joined a running group and yeah just kind of from there like started making more teams and and seeing like big improvements um kind of being in the top five at, at in the australian champs and i was like 16 17 and yeah just kind of continued from there and you know, you've had a massive career that's had some serious longevity in it. I remember me just being a track and field fan and an athletics fan. Like, I feel like you've been on the circuit for so long. Like, for those that don't know, Brett's not actually 40. He's still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's still a young buck. <laughs> Honestly, mate, you've been around for donkey's years, man. And I remember when I lived out in Sydney, man, you were, you were killing it then. And that was so long ago. And I just think that that shows, obviously, massive credibility to your career. And when we look at your CV... 
um, I've got here in front of me that you've been in the green and gold of Australia, you've been in global meets at the 1500 meters, the 3000, the 5000 meters, cross country and the marathon, mm. okay? And you've made the final on four of those five occasions and placed in the top 30 in three world cross country championships, which massively highlights that you perform when it counts. When you look at your career overall, and we'll go into it a little bit, you know, in more depth You're shortly. Big goosebumps here and that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, mate, that's this it. This is weird, yeah. Yeah, I do you know what that'll change my question slightly. How does it feel hearing that? Because, yeah. mate, you've been so high up in your country for so long. Do you ever forget how good you uh, are at this game? Yeah, like a little bit. I think kind of then when you said like uh, performing when it counts, I think that was something I've been able to do most of the time and, and something I'm very proud of. Like I haven't always run the fastest times, but... Um, when I turn up to a world championships, like I've, I've made the final and, and at the Olympics where I'm kind of like, when you look at on the paper, you're like, oh, he's probably not going to make it. And then I have beat like people that have better PVs than me. So I think that's something I'm very proud of. Um, world cross country, um, bit disappointed that I this year finished 31st. I didn't get another top 30. Um, <laughs> we'll claim it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'm going to get done for doping or something in the next <laughs> few months. But uh, I, yeah, like that's definitely something I've been proud of. The Olympics was a disappointing one. Um, just yeah, had problems in the marathon. Yeah. But um, but yeah, and that, but I feel that's the only time where I've kind of turned up to a championship and and gone away disappointed. So uh, and it's like it's like a, such a tough sport. And like I have training partners that are turn up to world champs and olympics before and never really uh been able to just put it together on the day and so i've been so lucky that i that i have been able to one thing i find from doing these interviews is that i'll have a set list of questions and stuff i want to talk about and then the guest will say something and then i'm like right i'm going down that rabbit mm. hole and one thing i've just thought of you is that i remember in the early days when you were running for like new balance obviously now you're nike um previously 1500s 3ks 5ks i even saw a steeplechase pb yeah, on, yeah, on yeah. <laughs> too. and now obviously the marathon in your career, um, how has athletics through your eyes changed over that time? Yeah, well, definitely, uh, obviously, the shoes have made a big difference. Um, and I think the way that, I don't know if it has to do with the shoes, but the way the races are run now, like, everyone just wants to run fast. Yeah. Like, you barely turn up to a race anymore. It's like a tactical race. Same like, thing. everything, it's like, all right, wait, let's just put it on the line and go crazy. I think uh, Stu McSwain probably has a bit to do with that as well. Like, <laughs> it's Stu's fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, and I, it probably is a little bit because you see him turn up to a race and he's just like, I'm getting on the pace and I'm, if you're going to beat me, you're going to run ridiculously quick. Yeah. Um, and then I think that's trickled down into all other distances. So people are just like, all right, this is the new standard and um, you, we have to go and run fast if we want it. It's, it's not as much about winning. And which I think as well, like that's when you get to world championships um, and Olympics, it's a completely different results to what you're expecting. There's always people that are um, getting through that you don't expect because uh, they may not be the fastest person, but tactically they're better than, than the time trialers. Um, that's, yeah, one way I've found that it's it's changed a lot. And I think more people go going to the marathon now as well. Do you think, because... Um, you and you stepped out of the marathon similar sort of time. Rainer, Jack Rainer, your training yeah. partner. And Jack's a little bit younger than you, right? Yeah, he's four years younger than me. Do you think we're seeing quite a trend now where with the shoe technology and like looking after your legs a little bit more than it used to with the minimalist shoes, people are stepping up a little bit earlier now. Um, you've got, you're a bit more traditional. You've done the track journey yeah. and, and, and then you kind of maximise that and now you're stepping up. Um, put yourself starting your career now with all the shoe technology and what you know now. Do you think you'd have stepped up earlier? Uh, no, I, I like the way I did it. Like I still, I feel like I went at the right time. I 
like when I was say 25, I was like, right, I want to, I know I want to do a marathon soon, but I don't want to go until my body's like struggling. Like I want to go my body's run its best because if you're going to run uh, 200k, 120 miles, you, your body has to be good. You can't be like breaking down, doing the track stuff and then go, all right, now I'm going to go put under more stress and, and see if I handle it. Um, the shoes are definitely helping with, with like bouncing back and, and being able to do all that training. Um, Jack, Jack's gone a bit the other way where he went to the marathon, now he's back on the track. Yeah. And I think I think that's probably one thing that you can do maybe with the shoes. You can kind of go back a little bit and... I, I go back, like I don't, I did race, like I ran a 5k and 10k on the track last year, um, which I think is always good for marathon. Mm -hmm. Like I have to, if I want to, like on Sunday, I want to run 259k's, um, where if I, if I just do marathon all the time and lose my speed and I can only run a 14 minute 5k, it's going to be hard to be doing. Uh, Pretty like, much max. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Up, yeah. So, um, I always want to be able to run like 1320 at least. Um, and, and that's why I think, I have kind of had some success in the marathons because I had so many years in track, being good at track, understood like mm. what it takes to be run, run fast, and then I can kind of convert that into uh, marathoning, which is like, like you see everyone like like Kipchoge did it, like Mo Farah's done it, yeah. like a lot of they're good on the track, so and then and then they're good in the marathon. And I like that you gave us the conversion of 200k a week there for our British yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers, <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. I was speaking to a, Emil Caress last night, and uh, I kept like talking in miles to him. He's like. Do you usually talk in miles? I'm like, nah. He goes, I speak in Ks. I'm like, oh, thank God. It's like two languages, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a running coach, you have to be bilingual. It's yeah. just, everyone's, everyone's different. So we've got to talk about Melbourne Track Club. Um, yeah. Been a massive part of your life, but a big part of your development as well. MTC, the legendary stable headed up by Nick Bonneau and now obviously Collis, Birmingham. Um, you've been with them best part of 10 years now. Mm. Talk us through that point in your life where you became a part of MTC and how that all happened? Yeah, so I was uh, yeah living in Canberra and I had a few good um, training partners, but the they weren't like, I, at the time I was 20 and I was like a full-time athlete. I like wasn't really making money, but I was um, like, I was living at home and I just treated myself as a full-time athlete. And then I had these training partners, but they all had jobs and, and we're like working full time. So we would train at like 6 p.m. in the evening. So I'd like just sit in my room all day waiting for training. And <laughs> and then, uh, uh, and like uh, those good guys, like Marty Dan, who went to the 2012 Olympics, like for the marathon and like, yeah, a few other decent uh, runners. And then, but I was really good mates with Ryan Gregson, who was a year older than me, but he had like broken the Australian record when he was 20 and like was running ridiculous. And then... Rockstar. Yeah, yeah. So he, he lived about two hours away from me. And then he said, oh, I'm moving down to a place called Ballarat, which is an hour outside of Melbourne, um, to live with Coles Birmingham, who was like our top 5K, 10K guy at the time. And he said, do you want to come down and just like help me settle in? Like just spend two weeks down there. And I was like, yeah, sounds good. Like nice little training camp for me. And then like the few days later, he goes, oh, like we actually have a spare room. If you want to if you come down, you like it, like you're welcome to move down. And I was like, you know what? This is what I needed for my running. I'm just moving down. Like didn't even go and try it. Just Big like jump, man. Packed, packed my bags and just like moved down straight away. And so this time I was like a 1340 runner, 28, 45. And then it was six months later and 1318, made World Champs final, uh, came 28th, I think at World Cross. Like it was just like I had a huge like improvement curve. Yeah, um, real quick. Yeah. yeah, but it was just like, I went from, kind of thinking I knew what I was doing to living with two of the best Australia's runners showing you how to and then just, I just copied him like I yeah. literally was just like Coles Birmingham's shadow I just followed him around what he did I did 
Um, That's and, good like, to have those role models. Yeah, definitely. Like they they were so good. Like Ryan was the most professional athlete you'll ever meet. Like I've heard he, this, he, did, yeah. he did everything to a T. Um, like pretty like just narrow minded. Where Cole's a bit more relaxed. Yeah. Um, but like trained hard and like did all the right things. Um, because switch off, and I kind of like was drawn to that a little bit more. So yeah, just. Oh, it's funny, yeah, I was just was like a mini Colas and just do whatever he did, I was doing. And, mini me. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it just worked. Um, yeah, and I loved it. I was just so lucky to have that opportunity. Yeah, well, I think one thing I've seen from watching MTC over the years is that there's always been solid role models. Yeah. Um, not always the fastest, but someone that's got the character, you know, um, Collis sort of uh, handing down to Gregor, Gregor handing down to you, and then you've got like Stewie coming through and then everyone else, like Rain and stuff. Um over your time during the group, how has the group dynamic changed, if, if at all? Yeah, it's definitely, like, we've had people come and go. We um, had, it's been huge at some points. Yeah. Because we have internationals too. Like, we have, like, a big Irish connection. We've had Americans in the group. Um, so, like, Brits, we've got Charlotte Purdue at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's been coming and going. And, and but it's, all, it's always been such a strong group. And the Knicks, like, set up a good system where it's, this is like what's expected. Um, the yeah, having Collis and Gregor around was like such a key thing for the group, uh, like in the early years, because it uh, it definitely set the standard of like this is how you do it. This yep. is um, what's expected of training. This is how you rest in the day, and and that that was really good. I think when Collis retired, there was a bit of a, and then there was a few younger guys coming through. Mm. So there was like a few rough years where it was like probably went like away a little bit and just. Um, not being unprofessional, but it was just like we didn't really have that like strong leader like Collis. Like Collis was, Collis would pull you in line. Where yeah, where yeah. I was probably like the oldest person, but I, I wouldn't really, and probably a little bit of a leader, but I wouldn't really pull people in line. I'm not going to tell them off. Like, yeah, yeah. I um, see that. It, where I because I kind of came through with these guys as my mates, so then I found it hard to then sort like, of be authoritative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel that. I think, but then I think having we got started to get a lot of success again, having like Stewie running so good. It kind of just like pulled everyone back in line. We we're just like, okay, like Stewie's like such a good example of this is how 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 you be one of the best in the world. Um, I want to be that as well. Like this is what it takes, and we just kind of all it was it wasn't like oh, this is what you gotta do. So everyone's like, all right, let's just lift this together, and and it was just became like a good environment to be around. I remember that in twenty it was twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen. I went to Falls Creek on a camp with my group in Sydney and I'd never seen MTC in the flesh other than races and stuff. And um, I remember for the double run, we were waiting at the top of the, our accommodation for, for the group to come past. And there's like an unwritten rule that no one goes in front of MTC. <laughs> and fucking hell, mate. It was like an NFL team coming down like, yeah. out of the tunnel. There's just this fucking pack of wolves on the front. And I was like, fuck me, these dudes are serious. Like, seriously. Yeah. But then, but then like, I get to know the guys and it's like, Chill as. Yeah. But when, but when the job starts, it's like, it's serious. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's um, one thing. It's like, yeah, we'll, we'll like joke around and out of training and like in, in the warm up, muck around. Yeah. But it's like that 30 minutes, 40 minutes when the session is on, it's like, it's serious. It's like no joking around. Like, um, I remember like Clarky once, I think, farted, <laughs> farted at the end of a ref on Grego and Grego like pretty much told him he should go back home. Like, it was like not time for that. You're so, out, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, it, yeah, it's like, I think it's, there's a lot of respect if you come down and, and want to work hard and, and just do, do what it is. Um, 
but yeah, if, if you want to muck around in the session or just like, I mean, not, not even, if you're just not even putting in the effort you should be, like, yeah. I think people just be like, Man, why are you here? Like, get out of here. It's I mean, just, court, quarters up at Falls Creek's more competitive than national champs. Oh, it is. Fuck, it man. Is. I remember the year I was there, you, you won it. And I'm, <laughs> I'm saying he won it. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a fucking training session. But like, it's, it's one of them that like, it don't look great on Strava. No one hears about it. Yeah, but yeah. up on the top of that mountain, it is just something different. Oh, it? And like all day, everyone's been like, oh, did you hear Brett ran 1440 yeah, today? Yeah, yeah. Mate, it was, it's like, it doesn't make let's run, but no, it's no. all over the mountain. Yeah. Do you hear what Brett did at course this morning? <laughs> and if someone came like from like America and did that session, they're just like, what is this session? Like we're running on one of the they worst trails it's ever. It's horrendous. And you're doing U-turns, like 400 meter reps on U-turns with holes. And like, yeah. What? Whoever thought that was a good idea, but know, it yeah. clearly somehow works. Yeah, it's um, just like it's tradition, I guess. Yeah, there, no, yeah, no, I like it. I like mm. the tradition. Um, what's your role within MTC now? Yeah, like I feel, um, I, I'd say I'm a bit of a kind of a lead role in MTC. I'm one of the oldest pro-made most teams, I guess. Um, and then I think I'm pretty good sounding board for guys like Stewie and, and Rainer, where I'm I'm very good mates with them as well. They're two of my best mates, but. Um, I can kind of have that relationship where we're mates, but also when they need advice for, for running um, and just, yeah, someone to talk to, I'm always there for them. Um, and for for anyone in the group, really. Um, it's, yeah, so I, yeah, I'd say a bit more of a, a leader role now. And do you feel like, I mean, that's probably an obvious, obvious answer, but, you know, when you first go into the group, that role wouldn't have been the same. But how has that changed for you over the years? Have you always felt... Have you ever, sorry, I'm going to change the question. Have you ever felt a sense of responsibility to be a leader? In the um, team? A little bit. I think because I feel so lucky to have like Collis um, kind of take me as his like apprentice, I guess, through. <laughs> that I, training that I, apprentice. Yeah, that I was just like to, when Stewie and Rainer were coming through, I'm like, I have to do the same thing. Like, uh, and, and then Stewie's kind of done it a little bit to Rambo. And yeah, it's, yes, it's, yeah. It is kind yeah. of like that little pathway. It's like, it's not... No one says to you, it's like, all right, this is your time to lead yeah. someone. But um, personalities gel, and it's yeah, just how it yeah, transpires, and it is, yeah. And like Stewie, like he, I, I used to force him to come down to training. Like in twenty fourteen, I think it was twenty fifteen. Um, I he was like running a little bit with me. Like we'd go for jogs together, and but he he was in another group. But then he started. Doing, I'm like, man, I need a training partner. Can you come and run with me? And he was like, come and do sessions with me. And then it was like getting towards the end of the year. I'm like, Stewie, you need to join MTC properly. And like, I, I like forced him to join. Um, I said, mate, you, like, we're not allowed to run. If you don't join by like 31st of October, we're not allowed to run together anymore. And Amazing. I, so 30th of October is like, yeah. oh, I joined. Gets it, gets it in last minute. <laughs> I hope October has 31 days in that. I just said that. Well, I'll but, check that off. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then because I, I could see like there was definitely talent in him. So like I wanted to help him and, and, give him the best opportunities he can. And, and yeah. yeah, same with Jack, so, yeah. To be fair, when we interviewed Stewie recently, he did actually credit you. I hope he does. Like, he didn't yeah. say, yeah. oh, yeah, that slapped dick. He, was <laughs> yeah. no, he actually did say, no, Brett, Brett really helped me in my early years because he did say I was dicking about a bit. So, yeah. That, but, you know, in a, in, a, in a way, like, you know, whether it's running and your work life, you, mentors are so important. Um, and I've seen that from watching MTC over the years. Um, I want to talk about bidders. Nick Bidot, obviously, he's legendary coach in Australia, but arguably the world. Um, there was a time, I don't know what year it would have been, but there was a time when MTC was at its height. And I was, I was going around saying, like, they are on par with the best group in the world. You know, like, you guys and Bauman. I want to understand what your relationship is like with Nick, because 
problem with athletics, a lot of stuff behind closed doors. We don't see anything. This is the most we're getting to see of you, mm. you know? So what's Nick Clark as a person? How is he as a coach? Give us an idea of what it's like. Yeah, uh, Nick, I'm great mates with him. Like, I think there's times when probably just saw him as a coach, but now I'm pretty close to him. Like, we can just sit and talk, like, not, not about training, just about anything. Um, but he will pull me into line if, if, if I ever need to. But I, I feel like probably like years ago in my younger days, like that's when I need to be pulled into line a bit more. Like where now he probably likes me more as a person because he doesn't have to pull me into yeah. line because like I just know what I should be doing. Low um, maintenance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I'd say I'm a, I'm a pretty low maintenance athlete. Like I don't, I don't need him to, uh, like I, I could do a week of training and like not even get get yeah. feedback from him yeah. just because like if I message him he'll definitely but like I don't need it either like where there's other athletes that like kind of need that back and forth and reassurance um but yeah Nick, Nick has he has like just created this system in like within Australia and it's like if you want to be good at 5k 10k half marathon and now marathon like it's only recently we've kind of started going more into the marathon um it's just yeah it is like so impressive what he's done and been able to do for so long yeah, we'll chat about Nick's marathon training shortly because, yeah, that's one thing I'm really interested in as a bit of a like, you know, running nerd. I know so much about Bidder's philosophy sort of up to the 10K. Um, but the marathon, it's less sort of reported on. I feel mm. like there's less material out there. And the only way that I've sort of got insight into what his training's like and how he works is through yourself, Rainer, and, and Charlotte. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's something we'll chat about shortly. Um, Obviously, we've got London on the weekend. We've got to talk about it, I guess. It's a little, yeah. uh, little fun run around the streets. But yeah. last time out in October, um, 2.09 PB. Yep. And then two months later out in Japan, you break Rob de Casella's Australian record, taking 20 seconds off the mark with yep. a 2.07.31. Yep. You've had a few cracks at the marathon. You know, I know you've had your struggles with various issues and that. But the, the race in Japan where you finally break that record... What was different about that attempt? Did you do anything different or did it just come right on the day? Uh, yeah, so everything that went well at Fukuoka was to do with London. Like, I learned so much in that, um, in London Marathon, that I could just transfer that straight into it. Even though it was a quick turnaround, I just knew what to do. So, yeah, if anyone doesn't know, like, I had problems with stitches, I would just get this, yeah, done every single, like, study and, and test and um, scan and change my diet done breathing exercises and mobility like everything and then i would, like literally it was the most frustrating thing because i would go to a marathon like oh, i've done everything thinking yeah i'm prepared so well and then uh i just would get to 25k again spasm um so what i think it is it's something to do with my breathing because when i was got to about 25k at london last year i started to get this stitch so i straight away was like oh, i don't know what to do like i slowed down a little bit i'm like pushing i'm like punching my stomach like just trying try to figure try, out yeah and like i don't really get it in in sessions so uh it's only when i go for like kind of 75 minutes that i like at a pretty hard effort is when i start Race to pass, get it yeah. yeah and i um and then i just kind of remember back to this like coach i had when i was like 13 or 14 and he like said just change your breathing pattern and um so i just started going like <laughs> Double intake? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then... Uh, Where did you learn that from? So... From the coach? Yeah. So he uh, he just like told me to do this like double breath in and then breathe out. Because I've heard that on Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah, but only recently. Yeah, recently. Yeah. yeah. So, I, so I hadn't heard of it anyway. No one had told me it like for, it's for 20 years nearly. And then I did that and then I saw it after. Right. I saw someone say, I'm like, geez, I wish I had... Like this had come out two years ago <laughs> yeah. and I could have done that. But... And I would also, I get my stitch on my right side, so I would 
when I do that hard breath out, I would like time it with my left foot strike. And you still do that now? Not every time. As soon as I get the stitch, I do it. Only when you get the stitch? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, that's nice. Yeah. And then, so I, so I did it in London and then I'm like, wow, this is like kind of working. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> it was like, go down and then I'm like, all right, cool, back to it. And then it would like come back up. So I'd do it again. It would work. I'm like, okay. And so I had like a bad like 6K at London and then I was able to run the last 10K pretty good. And then I was going into and But before London, like it literally... I would have dreams the nights before of getting the stitch. Like, it was, like, playing in my mind yeah, that much. Like, it was, was just, like, it. and I was just, like, going into every marathon thinking, like, all I want to do is just, like, run to my fitness. Like, I would happily, like, wobble the last 2K because my fitness isn't Yeah, there. yeah. But every single one, I'm just, like, having to, like, jog at 25K just to kind of get rid of this pain. That's not fun. And it was just so frustrating. Like, the Olympics was the most frustrating thing because I just got to, like, yeah, 23, 24K, the stitch came on didn't know what to do, ran with it the rest of the way. I'm so I'm like at the Olympics representing Australia, I'm jogging. And it's just like, I'm like, this is so stupid. Like I just, like I'm like, oh my gosh, I should, should stop with the marathon. Like, mm. because it's just, yeah. And then, but Nick was like, no, like we've got to figure this out. Like we tried everything. And then, so going into Fukuoka, I was like, all right, I remember like writing in my notes, like I kind of like write a bit of a race plan. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to get the stitch. When I do, just do this. Okay. And then, so I was new going into it. It's just, like, I have a plan, and this is what we're going to do. So, yeah, got to, like, kind of 25K again, the stitch started coming on, and then I just started doing that, and it just went away. And I was, like, I maybe lost a little bit of time while I was doing that breathing because, like, I'm doing the breathing. It's, like, I'm kind of, like, not really concentrating on keeping the pace. Yeah. I'm just kind of, and yeah. also, like, you don't want to be, like, pushing, like, on the edge when you do have a stitch just in case it's, like, you just want to get get it rid of it as fast as possible. But I... People are looking at me. It's like, what's this guy doing? Yeah, Gone. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then, uh, um, but yeah, even like I got a massage just before, and it was the same masseuse I had before London last year. And she was like, I can tell such a difference in your attitude, like coming into this marathon. Like last marathon, like I'm like, oh, can you like massage through my yeah like, my on edge about things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, but this time, I'm like, no, I know what. I'm, like, I'll, I'll get it on Sunday. How, how long do you do? How long does that? How long do you have to do the breathing thing for? Roughly, like, um. I reckon maybe like a minute or so I'm doing it. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm doing it a few times. Have you had to practice? Yeah. Like I do every now and then, like in my runs, I practice doing yeah, it. Yeah, it makes um, sense. Yeah. But it's funny because like I don't really, like I never do anything in training that's like 80 minutes of like race pace. Mm. So I don't, I don't really get it. So it's hard. You, you're doing it for no reason. But I think on Sunday as well, I want to do it like a bit earlier. Just like, pra- like not practice it, but like, yeah, yeah. Hopefully it prevents it. Man, it's mad because obviously we think of all the challenges that come in a marathon. If you know you feel in your stomach yeah. and try not yeah. to shit yourself, yeah. pacing yourself and whatever, but no one ever thinks, well, I know I'm going to get a stitch." I know, yeah, that's, I know, and crazy. it's yeah, like it's still like I'm just. I used to be so scared of it. Now I'm just like, All right, I'll just get it, deal with it, and then I'll just run that last ten k as hard as I can. But mate, just you know, from the way you're talking, you sound confident about it. Yeah. That you're, you, you sound confident about overcoming a challenge, which is which is I think is going to be pay dividends on Sunday. Well, and your future marathons, hopefully, fingers crossed. You mentioned there that a bit about marathon pace and in training. Um, I want to get an understanding of sort of, a bit of an insight into your training and how that's changed from going from the five and ten k now up to the marathon under Bido with or without Rainer, etc. Give us an idea of what the changes are in training there, if any. Yeah. So. Normal week for me before marathon is three sessions a week and a long run. Um, so kind of like Tuesday track session, Thursday threshold, Saturday hills. Yep. Um, 
going into marathon, I do Tuesday track session. So I still train with like Stewie on a Tuesday, yep. which can be torture sometimes. Can imagine. Especially, he's not bad, is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah he's decent. Like, if you're going to get dropped by someone, it's, it's Stewie. It's, you're okay with that. Um, and then I do a Friday session. Ah, um, like the American. Yeah, yeah. System. So I do a, like a, a marathon session. Um, and that's usually about 20K worth of marathon pace stuff. Okay. Um, so, some things we do a little bit longer. Um, and yeah, that, could, that goes from kind of uh, four by 5K yeah um or i do like a 30k progressive but the first 10k is pretty easy like probably 10k at four minute k is 10k at three fifteen, 10k at three minutes or just under um so it's like a good like hour and a half of, of solid effort um and then sunday is my long run probably 38 or so okay and in terms of weekly volume from what you've been used to what's that look yeah like so peak I, peak volume yeah um Around 200 Ks, yeah. And what would it have previously been around the 5,000 um, K Probably uh, 160 yeah. to 170 K. I don't want to sound yeah. like it's not a big step up because it is, but you've done so many years of yeah. 100 miles a week. Yeah, yeah. You're so prepped yeah. for, for, for marathon work. It's even, uh, exactly. And like now, I think now when I go back to the track, I'll probably still run a few too many K. Like I just naturally now I run like 175 in like a normal, like, that's just like a normal week, like without trying to like do a marathon session or a a, um, a long, long run. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, I think it's just doing year, years on years of uh, doing 160K is just like been so good for my body. And you said that you're going to go back to the track. I know I don't want to sort of wish your life away, but what's, what's the what's the plan there? Uh, like I go back and do track training. I don't necessarily okay. want to race. Um, I actually can think of nothing worse than doing a, doing a 5k now but i think i always like i kind of said before like i always want to go back to be able to run 13 20 so i'll in between marathons i kind of recover and yep. then i just go back to doing 5k 10k keep training. that tall sharp in your yeah, arm yeah yeah so i can still run fast like um there was some yeah i was like doing some great sessions kind of early in the year like i feel like i was in pretty good like shorter distance shape um and then yeah, but and then I just feel when it comes to a marathon, running three minute k's just feels like so easy to me. So I think people totally forget how important leg speed is. Yeah, like yeah. for the marathon, totally get that, man. Um, yeah, I wish I could knock three k three minute k's out. <laughs> uh, so obviously we're just off the back of Boston Marathon, where you know big 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 fans, both of us of Kipchoge, struggled out there, uh, finished in sixth place, had a problem with his leg, and also missed a drink. I want to understand because you've struggled with your stitch. You've had you know a small obstacle which has become something big for you at your level when the margin of error is so fine how big are those small things like missing a drink or going through a rough patch or getting a stitch how detrimental are they for your for your race performance oh definitely like um i usually run with a gel in my my pocket just in case i do miss a gel because uh, a drink sorry um because they can be pretty chaotic i reckon like with kipchoge missing that it's probably one of the first marathons where he's apart from the Olympics, where he's, like, in a pack. Yeah. Like, go, going at the drink station, like, um, just because of the way Boston's run, where a lot of the time he's just kind of flying through by himself or with the pacer and he can just grab the drink. So, but when you're in the bigger packs, like, in Fukuoka, like, the Japanese runners are crazy. And, like, they, like, we're literally at 10K, there's probably 50 people in the pack. Like, 50 people on, on 207 pace. And they would have kept up to nearly 20K and then it starts to dwindle down yeah. pretty quickly. But it means gone through that like you know you're going to probably miss drinks because it's just so chaotic and you you don't want to like get tripped up so 
Um, I think it definitely hurts when you do miss a drink, but you just there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to kind of get on with the race and, and try to um, try to just yeah know, put it out of your mind and just you can get ready for the next one. But yeah. And this is the last I'm going to talk about Sunday um, because everyone knows it's a marathon. But you're hot, you're here. You're the only Australian entrant on the male side. What shape are you in in terms of how are you going to approach it? Are you going for a fastest time you've ever done or are you looking for a position? Where's the head out with that? Yeah, like um, I've kind of said like um, on my podcast, like, yeah, like I just want to finish as high as possible. Like I finished eighth last time. Like I'd like to finish higher, but I also can't control what other people yeah. do. Um, it's a good field this year, man. It is a very, very good, good field. field, yeah. So it's like, if, <laughs> what am I going to do? If I run a PB and, and finish 10th, am I going to be disappointed? No. <laughs> so the goal is to run a PB. Yeah. Um, you do need everything to align to yeah. for that to happen. Uh, I think I'm in very good shape. Um, I feel like I'm in better shape than I've ever been. So I the pace I'll go at is about three minute Ks. So yeah, two, 207. Oh, sorry, what is it? I think we got about 206 pace, 206.30 nice. pace. So Just comfy. Yeah, yeah. easy. Well, yeah, <laughs> it will be comfy for a bit, but yeah, it's, it's going to get hard, yeah. And you've been uh, you've been in the sport so many years now. You've been at the top on the track. You've done the cross. You've done the roads. Um, controversial topic, which I don't feel it should be, but it is in the sport, is money. Okay, and we know that there's money in road running from appearance fees and contract bonuses. Um, and you mentioned there that when you was younger, you know, you was a professional athlete, but you weren't making any money. How has being so good at the marathon changed your life from a professional mm. aspect? Uh, yeah, the marathon. Definitely, yeah, like I, like I love doing the track and but there was just times when like I wasn't really making much money and it was just like it was hard because like you, you're kind of chasing the dream and like yeah. there's times when you're thinking, oh geez, like is it to just like move on and like get a job and, and like understandable when people do. Um, I, th- I think especially like in Australia, it's like not always as many opportunities to, to make money. Um, but yeah, like I've come into the marathon, I've been lucky, like London Marathon's given me good, good opportunities. Like I... I came in 2020 and, and DNF'd um, in, in like just when I had the stitch and I uh, and, but they've like welcomed me back like last year and this year so we like the Aussies mate yeah I know it's good it's good um, so yeah but yeah getting I don't know doing marathons and, and making money it's but like as well you, you sacrifice months of your life yeah. for the marathon so yeah it's like it's, it's really nice when you make money but um, you can't rely on that because things can go bad on the day and yeah but i'm enjoying running well when i run well and and make some money i love it amen to that let's uh, let's hope that continues so away from competitive athletics let's talk about everything but running for now you're now stepping into a more of an entrepreneur world yeah right and uh for anyone that's not aware brett has now started his what would you call for the kudos would you call it a podcast would you call it a media company we call it a media company yes Um, yes (laughs) so you got a media company yeah called for the kudos uh, so the media company is Grattan House, and okay. then under that is For the Kudos, which is the podcast. Nice. We have the Blue Line, which is our newsletter. Right. Um, and then we are adding other little podcasts um, like that are more associated with, with For the Kudos. I'm just taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> and then Pulse. Pulse. Through what, yeah. What Pulse so running Pulse is. Running, um, a coaching business, which myself, Jack Rayner, and Collis Birmingham, we started that in 2020 during COVID. Um, it was just funny, like, me and Jack one day just said, oh, we should start doing some coaching. And then a few months later, Coles messaged me. He's like, hey, would you be interested in doing some coaching? I was like, let's do it, the three of us, um, which has been good. Like, we got now have, I think, 10 or 11 coaches 
like coaching wow. with us. Um, yeah, it's going bigger and bigger. So yeah, it's fun. And if we just switch back over to um, sort of podcast world and the media company world, why do you think you've gone down that route? Um, so how it started was uh, I was living with a guy named Joel Tobin White who was on another podcast. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. and um, they kicked him off. No, it just kind of ended and then uh, and um, then... He was I, a free agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I had been on his podcast before and kind of just like me and him had just like had a fun time doing it. Like, yeah. And we we're living together, so it made it very easy. And then one day he kind of like came to our room. He was like, we should do a podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next day he's like, no, nah, I've been thinking about it. We should do a podcast. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let's do it. And then so we just like spoke to a few people to get a bit of advice and they were like, just do it. Like you just have to take that leap and just record it, send yeah. it to a few people and say, what do you think? Yeah. And we're like, all right, let's do it. And so we did that. And then just like straight away, just kind of like started gaining legs and, and then brought on like Riley Wolf, um, who is like a photographer down in, in Melbourne. And, and he started helping us a bit with the direction. Cause we, we had like, I don't know, if, it, if we were still doing the, the direction of the thing, we'd just be like getting on there and talking about our training every week and it'd just be people bored of it by now. But that it's sounds like, like quite a few podcasts, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it's evolved heaps now and just like having other parts of like FDK, like Q&A, like we get heaps of experts on now, like physios and, and interview them. And um, it's not just, yeah, as much about me and Joel. It's yeah more about like, I don't know, giving runners content that will help them. Yeah, I think, okay. yeah. Do you think it helps runners not just from a knowledge perspective but a feel-good factor as well? Yeah, I think so. I think it's uh, hopefully it's something to uh, listen to and enjoy on your on your easy runs as yeah. well. Um, uh, I think the FTK one is kind of a bit more humorous, where and then yeah, you get I into agree. yeah you get into the uh, the experts, which I'm definitely not on, because, <laughs> um, and, and and they that's where you're going to get your knowledge and you, you can get your advice on marathon. Um, drinks and, and your physio advice or whatever it is. So. Take away from it what you yeah. need. And we'll, we'll plug all of the, all of Brett's businesses in, in, in yeah, the yeah. description yeah, for this. We've, we've got enough room. Um, okay, so away from the roads, away from the track and away from running and even away from all of the media stuff uh, and coaching, what are your passions? What do you enjoy doing, man? I've got a little dog I love. Yeah? Yeah. Go on, talk us through I've heard talk about my girlfriend too. Got a girlfriend as well. I always get that. I've been asked this question before and I'm supposed to say my girlfriend first. But yeah, no, nah, I've got to... Edit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, i got a nah, little, little French bulldog that I love. But um, but I don't know. Like, he, he, huh? He. And what's he, his name? Nelson. Nelson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that. But no, nah, I, I live like a, a great life. Like I have these businesses I, I with my friends. I run with my friends. I like have free time, so I, like I get to hang out with my friends all the time. So I, like, to be honest, like I feel like I'm living the life, and I just get to enjoy, enjoy every day, just doing kind of what I want to do and what people would love to be doing. So I feel very lucky in that. I feel that 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 model is the modern day professional athlete. Yeah. Where it used to be, I train hard, I race hard, and whatever I produce is that's my identity. Yeah. Whereas now we're seeing a lot with YouTube channels and influencers and podcasts. I think. Athletes are so multi-dimensional, man. Like you're a professional athlete, you're a businessman, you're a podcast host, you're a boyfriend, you're a dog owner. <laughs> yeah. Like there's more to you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do through these sorts of things, and to try and show the different sides to athletes because they're more than just a vest and a bib. Yeah, I and think. that's what I like. We want to do that as well. Like I'm jealous of what you guys are able to do 
already just like with the more video content and like we want to be able to tell the athlete story and, and the, what they do outside of running because yeah, man, yeah. There's, there's more like yeah everyone goes and does a few k reps everyone does a long run it's like who cares like everyone does it it's just like what do they do outside like um outside of running and, and what else yeah absolutely so we're going to finish this off brett with how we finish off all of our interviews we're going to give you a quick fire round yeah um don't overthink the answers just just give me the give me the give me the answer straight man so if you had a magic wand what's one thing that you change in athletics Oh, I wish the crowds would just be like ridiculously bigger. Stewie like, said the exact same thing. Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. Like why? I, well, I like. I, I'm gonna run with Mo Farah on uh, on Sunday, so I think I'll I'll enjoy it because I know he's gonna get a good cheer, and so I'll get yeah. tennis for me. Yeah. But uh, it, when like London Marathon, when you run through um, was like mile twenty five and, and, and like kind of the embankment yeah yeah, yeah when, when there's like it's ridiculous yeah. and you love that and there's like parts at new york marathon it's kind of the same yep. um and and then you like attract me like we had the mori plant track mm, me at the start of the year and it's a huge crowd like and it's just like everyone enjoys it has a great day you get huge performances as well when that's around mm-hmm. so i would just lo- love it to be more of that um to just and everyone gets to experience that Nice. Well, that's uh, hopefully we can see more crowds in the future. Stewie spoke about like the IPL and the darts. I was at, I was playing mm-hmm. golf the other night and I was waiting for our base to come open and I was watching the IPL on the, on the screen and like I don't follow cricket but I was infused, man. Like it's just they take you know take something that is ultimately not that exciting and just <laughs> yeah. sprinkle yeah, glitter exactly. all over it and make yeah. it you know something more exciting. That's hopefully what we can do with athletics eventually. Um, you've been a pro athlete how many years? Uh, probably like 12 years 12 years yeah. so what's the best thing about being a pro um, getting to travel all around the world nice uh, what's the worst thing about being a pro um, spending so much time away from home really so it's like a bit of, bit of, bit of yeah. kind of both nice. like I, I always kind of like sometimes That's a wholesome answer man yeah like yeah that. but like I I think like I, I never sometimes I can complain I'm like oh I'm like overseas for so long I'm like then I'm like oh, look what I get to do like, yeah I'm, I'm yeah, get to live like this good life overseas. Like, his people don't even get to go overseas. Like, and I'm doing this in another country. Like, everyone's back in Melbourne in winter, and I'm in Europe, like, loving it. Like, not that I'm like on a holiday, but I'm like, yeah, like, free. Yeah, yeah. Have, look at look at where you are right now. Yeah. You're sitting chatting to me, and it's pissing down. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've made it. Yeah. But yeah, so it's a bit of like, I love it, but there's also like the bad part of like 2019, I was away for nine months, which is like a very long time. So. Yeah, that's one thing I've always heard from my Farah story with training out in Ethiopia and that he's away from home for yeah. best part of the year and yeah, barely yeah. sees his kids. Yeah. But you trade, innit? You've got to yeah, be exactly. timing, yeah. I guess. And uh, what is a harsh truth that the running world needs to hear? Yeah, this one, this is a hard one. I reckon, like, it's... Like, what I hate... I don't know if this is the same kind of thing, but what I hate about running, I wish it was just, like, the hardest person got the most results. Like, so the, like the person who like trained the hardest. Yep. It's not always that. Like okay. it's, uh, and I think I found that out the hard way. Like I reckon I was like, like, I just need to train hard, train hard, train hard. And then it's like someone who's just training smart is the one who, who gets it. So yep. it's not always, you have to be smart, I think in, in training. So find your process. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair. You feel you found your process now? Now I think I've, uh, I've like, I still get carried away. Like yeah. I think. It's so natural to be like, all right, I'm going well. I'll just push a little bit harder. Yeah. And But I think I'm a bit better now. I've gone, ah, nah, come on, let's just pull it back a little bit. Okay, and last question, Brett, from today's episode, and I don't want this to be running related. What is one thing that you'd like to have achieved in your life in 10 years' time? 
Hopefully Grattenhouse is a huge media agency. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good, yeah. Okay, man, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for being our first guest on this type of content, man. And best of luck for Sunday. Thank you. I'll catch you at mile 25 after the race for a beer or three. Yes, definitely, definitely. All right, mate. Good luck. Catch <laughs> Thank you. you. See you, mate.